a warm dish served at Christmas, slow food, and pasta you can read a newspaper through. This week, we're in Turin, Italy. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we visit a different city and sample the dishes and drinks that make it special. And this week, we're in the first capital of Italy the headquarters of Italian car culture, and one of my all-time favorite foodie cities, Turin, Italy. Turin is in the Piedmont region, that's northern Italy, and it's renowned for its wine, its nuts, vegetables, pasta, everything really. And I've been wanting to talk about the food of Turin since I started this podcast back in 2018, but I held off until I could find a really special guest to talk with. Well, I found her. Her name is Cecilia Puccia. She is the founder of I Eat Food Tours and Events in Turin. It's a company that takes guests around to the best foodie spots in the city to experience the cuisine of Turin. Cecilia and her husband, Chef Abram, also conduct cooking classes both in person and online. Cecilia and I talk about the birth of the slow food movement in Piedmont 40 years ago, a famous pasta from the region, and a Christmas dish called Bagna Cauda, made with tons and tons of garlic. Plus, we dive into uses for all that eggplant. But first, if I could ask you a favor, if you would share this show with your friends on social media, that would be great. Just uh, copy the link, put it in your social media, and share it with your friends and tell them how much you enjoyed it. All right, I'm starving for the food of Piedmont and Turin, so let's eat. Destination Eat Drink. Cecilia from I Eat Food Tours, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. You're in uh, Turin, Italy, and Turin is one of my favorite cities in Italy, favorite cities in all the world. But I think it tends to get overlooked when folks come to Italy. They're so focused in on going Rome, Tuscany, Venice, that they miss some of the great other places in Italy. And when it comes to Turin, I just, I can't speak highly enough about it, about how much I love it, about how great of a food city it is. You're from Turin. Tell me, what makes Turin such a special place? Oh, Brian, this is a very interesting question, and it requires an articulated answer. So, you know, the Piedmontese cuisine is among the most varied and refined in our country. Uh, Piedmont is the second largest Italian region after Sicily, and it's also one of the most interesting for the territory, uh, the history, the contacts with other cultures. Uh, you know, Piedmont is a, a borderland leaning on France, uh, surrounded by Western Alps, uh, bordered by the Ligurian Apennines, uh, and crossed by the Po River. It's uh, a land of history from the Romans uh, to the Savoy, from Olivetti to Fiat. And, you know, a huge plus value about Piedmont, uh, in my opinion, is the fact that it's uh, a land of uh, contamination with its beautiful mountains. By the way, Piedmont means uh, at the foot of the mountain. 
the very rich water resources from uh, Lake Maggiore to Ticino, from Lake Orta to Tanaro, uh, not to mention the gentle and wonderful uh, hilly areas from the Lange to Monferrato, which are UNESCO heritage, famous for the beautiful and gorgeous wines, such as Barolos and Barberas, among many others, but also well known for uh, the precious truffles, especially the white ones from Alba. So, you know, as, as, uh, as you can easily understand, uh, in such uh, a rich, a huge uh, scenario, the food and wine culture represent a fundamental value, uh, a tradition, and uh, a resource. So it is not a coincidence that the slow food movement was born here back in 1980 in the region that is first in Italy for chocolate production, which offers Alba truffles and exports some of the most famous wines in the world. And, you know, it is really difficult in so much richness to single out just a few dishes that can be the symbols of the local culinary art. Um, let's say that Turin is a capital of taste, from the most refined and aristocratic to the most authentic and very genuine. So it's what I call a city of many parts. And when we design our culinary experiences in Turin, uh, the aim was to be able to let our food explorers uh, be really embraced by a region, indeed, of uh, many parts, where flavors and history, culture, meat, uh, create together a very special and charming uh, recipe. Uh, moreover, due to our different uh, background, in fact, uh, we both, as a founder and co-founder, me and uh, Chef Abram, uh, we are uh, a sociologist and a life coach and, of course, a certified foodie. And Abram is a professional chef with a Michelin stars background. So we do everything we can to offer to our guests an interesting, uh, unique and creative way to discover our land. And we are really so much uh, looking forward to welcoming the world to Italy and to Piedmont and, of course, uh, to Turin. So I hope I was able to giving you an accurate uh, answer about uh, what makes our cuisine so special, Brent. I, I think so, Cecilia. And you mentioned the slow food movement. And when I was in Piedmont a few years ago, I did notice there were lots of um, obvious signs about the pride that the slow food movement was birthed in the Piedmont region. For folks who don't know, can you talk a little bit about the slow food movement that was birthed here 40 years ago, um, what it yeah. means and how we can experience it when we visit uh, Piedmont and Turin? Absolutely, with uh, great pleasure. Well, uh, I had uh, the great pleasure to meet uh, the founder of the slow food movement, uh, Carlo Petrini, who is a legend for what he created uh, back in the time. Uh, he was a pioneer of a movement uh, which is not just a food movement, but it's a social and anthropological and psychological uh, environmental movement. Uh, so when uh, back in 1980, he decided uh, together with a team of uh, 
researchers uh, because of course uh, he was working with a team of people uh, who were very interesting to make an impact he basically decided to do something for promoting the Lange area this wonderful and hilly uh, green valley called Lange which is a UNESCO heritage and an area that was going to be forgotten because you know uh, all the youngest were moving away they had not so much chance uh, to find a job there so uh, they were moving away and uh, they were leaving the area kind of uh, isolated isolated so he said we have to save our heritage we are very proud of our heritage because the Lange region and the surrounding, uh, it's really a magical place, uh, famous, uh, as I mentioned before, for uh, some of the most precious uh, products of Italy, like the super diamonds of the ground, the white truffles, mm. the beautiful hazelnuts and many others, including wines, of course. And so it's it's a place where actually all the best productions uh, um, of Italy comes so with the, the intention to, to save and to preserve the, uh, the traditions and the rituals of this land, he created this movement, what, is, what became a movement promoting the local uh, products, what we call it Kilometro Zero, so from farm to table, very basically put it's uh, from farm to table, being able to uh, no waste, uh, no waste food um, and uh, be, being creative uh, in uh, making up uh, recipes using what it's called leftovers, because actually uh, leftovers uh, do not exist in the kitchen. You just have to be creative uh, and find <laughs> the right way to combine uh, yes, yes. Uh, what is left over. And uh, of course, uh, promoting uh, an healthy lifestyle that uh, respects uh, the people, respects the environment, uh, and respects the ecosystem uh, we are living in. So it's, uh, it's very beautiful and it's now a huge, this movement is now a huge movement because, of course, it, it started in a, in a time, uh, 1980, uh, where it was uh, pretty, you know, unknown. Yeah. Um, we were not yet prepared for uh, such a revolutionary change. And, of course, uh, every big change uh, requires uh, a touch of uh, bravery. And uh, he was quite brave and he believed uh, in what he was promoting. And indeed, uh, the success now, it's, uh, it's quite, uh, quite huge, not just in Italy, uh, but of course, it all began, began here and began in Piedmont, to be more precise. So we are, we are taking pride of, of this, of course. And we promote that uh, also in our activity. So always, we always uh, prefer to promote and to let people uh, uh, get in contact with small local producers, uh, family business, uh, uh, small uh, business, uh, really from farm to table, because uh, we believe uh, uh, we believe in this uh, lifestyle and uh, we promote what we believe in, of course, uh, and our lifestyle reflects also our way 
of working. So I'm happy for uh, this uh, question because I think it's very uh, important to, to let people know what they can find when they come to Piedmont, especially highlighting uh, uh, something so important like uh, the slow food movement. You said there's no leftovers in the slow food kitchen. Yes. I think there's no leftovers in the Italian kitchen. I've talked about this on the <laughs> podcast before. You know, <laughs> Italians are genius at using everything. And if there's anything left over, it goes into another recipe. Could you give me an example maybe of of one or two things that we might try or that we might see in a kitchen that is actually comes from these leftovers? Well, uh, absolutely so. I can give you this fantastic uh, recipe because everybody loves pesto. Uh, and I can give you a recipe that includes not just basil, but also um, cabbage. Oh. So broccoli, sorry, broccoli. Oh, broccoli. broccoli. Okay. Yep. Broccoli. Sorry. Yes, broccoli. So um, I am quite lucky because I married a chef and uh, Every good chef knows how to, of course, create uh, beautiful recipes out of leftovers, which is something that we as Italians know very well, because I grew up uh, in a family where my grannies uh, were so indeed creative uh, and able to transform some ingredients in some in something completely different so and giving you a different experience so i can i can tell you about this beautiful pesto because it was a huge success when we share this recipe uh, i found out that the you can eat everything about uh, the broccoli also the steam yes so you can actually I didn't know, honestly, I admit that I didn't know that. <laughs> so I found out when my husband is teaching me many things, of course, and also the steams of basil and leaves, you can eat them all. So you can uh, uh, ground everything, the leaves of basil, the basil leaves and steams, uh, including the steam of your broccoli, and uh, ground them, uh, making out of the nice uh, broccoli flowers just roasted in a pan with some oil and garlic make your pesto with the basil leaf steams and the, the broccoli steam and create uh, one beautiful sauce uh, with some uh, uh, pistach garniture or hazelnuts garniture so you can uh, have a beautiful pasta dish out of uh, two, actually just two main ingredients, which are broccoli and uh, basil. And of course, you can personalize the recipe uh, with some uh, extra like uh, almonds. Uh, instead of parmesan, you can uh, have some roasted almonds or some uh, uh, nice pistach if you like uh, to stay totally green and have, have an amazing uh, experience without any leftover because you eat everything from both the basil and the, the, um, the broccoli. But I have also, uh, if you like to listen to me about, uh, about uh, this one, also something very interesting about the eggplant. Because, oh, yes, my favorite. Ah, also my favorite. <laughs> I love eggplants. And you can make out of eggplants so many different recipes. They all taste gorgeous. 
and glorious and they all taste different. So you can make out of eggplant a beautiful parmigiana, parmesan, which is a sort of a, a vegetarian lasagne. Uh, but you can also make a beautiful pasta alla norma, typical from Sicily. Oh, I, I am uh, half, yeah, it's really, I think, uh, I think pasta alla norma and parmigiana are probably my favorite dishes ever. Probably, I don't know. It's always so difficult to say what are my favorite dishes. Anyway, with eggplant, I'm, there is a kind of uh, endless love between me and eggplant because they are so versatile. You can prepare eggplants in so many different ways so in a parmesan uh, in a pasta la norma where you make a beautiful uh, tomato sauce uh, just uh, with the garlic you let the garlic uh, go in a pan with some oil and then the tomato sauce and you add basil and you fried your little pieces of you cut in the cubes your um, your eggplants you fry them in a pan with some uh, uh, flour or even without it. So if you want to even keep it easier without it. And you garnish your pasta with these lovely fried uh, crispy cubes of eggplants and finish with the beautiful touch of uh, ricotta salata, if you can find it, really write it down because it's amazing. It's salted ricotta, typical from Sicily. So it's a little bit a niche product, but uh, if you have the chance to find it uh, uh, online or wherever else, uh, try it because when, once you start with the ricotta salata, you never, <laughs> it is a love that never ends. And it makes a dish which is so simple again, super flavorful. That is the power of the Italian cuisine uh, to make out of just very few ingredients something uh, so beautiful and so enjoyable and also so. Uh, let's say low budget, budget friendly, because you just need tomato sauce, pasta and eggplant. Not, not so much ingredients are involved. Uh, but if you make them in the proper way and you have, of course, the good quality products, uh, well, the, the, the end result is a, a great satisfaction both for the spirit, the art, uh, the soul and, of course, your palate. Uh, last thing about eggplants and then of course uh, I, I let you go on with your uh, other questions uh, grilled eggplants eggplants ah, rolls yes so love them another another amazing one so you grill them and you cannot just marinate let them marinate in the oil parsley basil with a little bit of garlic and you have the most amazing side dish or you make roll and you feel uh, uh, your um, your eggplant with uh, cheese, cream cheese, uh, a prosciutto, ham. Uh, uh, you can be indeed creative. Whatever it's in your fridge, you can place in your uh, eggplant roll. And again, you have an amazing starter. So you can uh, really go from A to Z with the same ingredients. And the same ingredients lives many lives. <laughs> and it's perfect because when you, if you have eggplant in your garden, it all comes at oh. once. You get a billion eggplants and you're like, what am I going to do with it? One of my favorite things to do, you talked about <laughs> yeah. the eggplant roll-ups, Cecilia. I love gr grilling them, the brushing yeah. a little olive oil, and then I roll them up with um, 
a layer of uh, ricotta cheese and a little bit of pesto. And I don't oh. know. I don't know if uh, your husband, Chef Abram, would approve of this, but maybe it's something that uh, that can be experimented with. I've enjoyed it for years, and maybe you will uh, as well. I'm sure. I'm sure he will approve because I mean, <laughs> we talk about eggplant pesto, which is another icon, of course. Uh, everybody loves it, and ricotta delicious so it's a beautiful trio beautiful combination uh, absolutely approved <laughs> and are these some recipes that you share in your cooking classes what are your cooking classes like because i know you do cooking classes for uh, some of your guests absolutely both in person and uh, right now virtual and uh, we are very very happy because we are keeping on sharing we are keep on sharing uh, Beautiful moments that matter and beautiful, tasty flavors and vibes from uh, from our country. So actually, we offer cooking classes that goes from uh, the local uh, typical food from Piedmont uh, to the most beautiful gourmet and uh, complex uh, menu. So you can have it all. Uh, you just ask what you like to, to, to learn and the chef can customize uh, everything uh, you like to experiment. But for sure, the most popular cooking classes uh, are about uh, pasta. So the pasta making class, it's still uh, the hot items when it comes to, to cooking class. Because, you know, pasta is all about uh, love and magic. Again, out of uh, two slash three ingredients. If you talk about uh, fresh pasta, egg pasta, then you have flour, uh, you have eggs. Uh, I mean, uh, two or three ingredients, a little bit of salt, and that, and that, the magic is there. <laughs> so pasta is really a sort of uh, magical uh, product. I used to say that in Italy we have three magical pieces: we have pasta, pane, and pizza. Pane is bread. So the three magical pieces, because again. Uh, how out of some just a very few ingredients can, can come out something so beautiful so gorgeous it's a kind of magic and a kind of mystery so the most uh, popular cooking class is the the pasta making class but of course also all the the lessons and the experiences where people can really enjoy the essence uh, of italy and the essence of Italy, when it comes to food, uh, relies uh, quite much on the most iconic uh, dishes, such as, indeed, parmigiana. Parmesan is one of the most appreciated dish ever. And, uh, and of course, it's quite easy to understand why. <laughs> and uh, the, the pasta again, also everything that is, that is connected uh, with the kind of rich dishes such as lasagna we propose uh, we offer uh, the lasagna napolitana napolitan lasagna class you know naples is an explosion of energy so also when it comes to food uh, uh, it perfectly the napolitan food perfectly reflects the napolitan people bombastic, uh, <laughs> super powerful. So and they really... will proudly, and this is not an insult, they will proudly <laughs> say, they will proudly agree with you on all of these terms, Cecilia. <laughs> I guess so, because they like to be described like that, but they are like that. They are genuine, that authentic, yes. bombastic in their expression of, of love, 
and uh, of happiness. Uh, so I am half Napolitan and half Sicilian. I mean, I was born and raised in Turin, but my parents are my father from Naples and my mother from Catania in Sicily. So I have a little bit of everything. Uh, I have a little bit of <laughs> the Turinese, uh, um, how can I say, aplomb and uh, way of um, looking at things, which is uh, maybe a little bit more introspective. Uh, but I have a lot of the southern uh, people, uh, and uh, I like to uh, to show everything I am because it's also kind of collage of myself, and it's interesting because I can offer different perspective of uh, of Italy with a little bit of everything. And the lasagna napoletana class, the Napolitan lasagna class, it's uh, one of the favorites because. You make pasta from scratch, you make uh, the lasagna sheet, and then you create uh, this huge uh, ragu, and you flavor this uh, ragu sauce, uh, and then you go with the filling. Uh, and just yesterday, we had a virtual cooking class about uh, Napolitan lasagna with people from Ireland. And... They said we never tasted something like this uh, in our whole life. So oh, it nice. is beautiful <laughs> to to yeah to have this feedback. And uh, uh, our clients uh, love to to join this type of experiences because there is sharing. You learn uh, something uh, that of course you're gonna reproduce at home more and more to your friends, to your beloved ones, to the people you care. Because it's a nice way to say, I love you. When you make something delicious, it's a nice way to say, I love you to your beloved ones. So we in Italy used to say, I love you going through the food, ah. going through food. So <laughs> if we say that I make you a piatto di pasta, so I make for you a pasta dish, it's also another way of saying, I love you. It's a sort of, um, uh, I don't know, it's a way to argue. So you come home from a long day. Uh, you are a little bit tired, you are a little bit sad, or you are super happy. doesn't matter what are your feelings. When someone says, shall I make for you a nice piatto di pasta, pasta dish is a way to say, hey, come, I give you a beautiful hug. And we hug people through food. We love it because it's uh, uh, food is a universal language. It speaks uh, out of uh, his heart. And the food is a very, has a very big heart. And uh, it involves so, it sums up so many values, uh, anthropological, uh, sociolo sociological, psychological, uh, environmental. So it has it all. And I think uh, uh, that food has uh, all the answers is up to us to ask him uh, the right questions. Uh, so uh, we believe that especially in these crazy times, uh, If we go through food, we always accomplish the mission of uh, feeling closer. So it doesn't matter if people are joining an experience, uh, a virtual experience uh, or an in-person experience. When, uh, when people feel that the art is there, then it doesn't matter anymore if it's uh, real or virtual, because virtual can be real if you do things with your art. People feel that, uh, and that is important. And when you communicate going through food, uh, and you are an authentic person, a genuine person, uh, then you create a significant uh, link uh, with all world. So we are 
very blessed and I never stop saying that. I say that many times when I write sometimes on our social or on our site, but it's really important because we could never expect to create such a, a circle of friendship and significant link with people who are really located everywhere in the world. We have mostly clients from the United States, and that's true, but we have also uh, a percentage of people who come from really everywhere, you just name it. And we have uh, friends a little bit everywhere in the world. I think this is priceless. So this means that when you reach that, it means that your mission has been has been uh, succeeded. This is uh, our way to look at things. So this is what makes us really the happiest ever um i'm I'm really really i can of course speak also for abram we are very 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 happy about that and we can't wait to again run our tours and also hopefully soon also hug physically people because this is what we do at the end of the experience almost already in the beginning we hug each other like we are really the best friends ever so that's fantastic so i can't wait to we can't wait to meet you and your girlfriend brent and to give you an amazing experience of sharing here in Turin and in piedmont hopefully soon i'm looking forward to it and i think one of the first things i'd like to do is go and get a plate of agnolate which is the oh! pa- the pasta of turin can <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about the agnolate absolutely uh, well, agnolotti are a typical uh, stuffed egg pasta and, uh, from Piedmont. And the peculiarity is that the filling is made from cooked meat. Uh, some ancient recipes call for even for three different types of meat, which are beef, rabbit, and pork. Um, anyway, roast beef is generally the most used and uh, pasta is served with meat broth in the cold season or with the... Uh, Beautiful, simple butter and sage sauce, which is always delicious for season good. <laughs> uh, another peculiarity is the very, very tiny pasta sheet. You must be able really, really to read a newspaper through it, oh. they say. It has to be uh, tiny as the transparent, sorry, as the veil of a spouse. That means that really you enjoy both the pasta and the filling, because if the filling is a really good one you want to taste it and if you cover up the filling with the sort of uh, kind of plastic uh, pasta so if the pasta sheet is not tiny enough uh, then you only taste a sort of rubbery pasta but if the pasta sheet is super tiny then uh, the the ingredient become uh, the filling sorry become the star and if your filling is a very well made feeling then you have uh, really an explosion uh, of uh, of pleasure both for the body and and the spirit and uh, speaking of uh, reusing your uh, leftover well actually the agnolotti uh, so the the in general the pasta the stuffed pasta uh, was born out of uh, necessity more than out of virtue in what sense uh, well in the past, uh, and there are uh, traces of uh, stuffed pasta like uh, Agnolotti in um, paintings from the 1200s. In the past, of course, uh, they 
had to be uh, ingenious in the kitchen. So agnolotti were made out of the leftover, whatever it was. And uh, still now, until now, there are some small villages in Piedmont that make uh, uh, the filling with uh, also cabbage, for example. So whatever was left over at the end of the week became uh, stuff, became the filling for stuffed pasta. So that is what uh, Petrini, the founder of the Slow Food, uh, highlighted in uh, one of his... Uh, Uh, festival a uh, few years ago and also in some events where we were able to participate uh, he said we have to go we must go back uh, to the ancient uh, knowledge of the grannies of the nonnas because nonnas uh, had the power to uh, really create the most uh, amazing uh, recipes that are still famous and popular and glorious uh, these times. So they are uh, sort of evergreen uh, masterpiece recipes that go travel through the time. So this was he highlighted and he said in the past they were so ingenious because they had to be. They had no other uh, chance. Now we have too much and because we have too much uh, we block a little bit our creativity. Um, and Agnolotti actually are a product uh, that came out uh, of necessity, of course, uh, out of the pleasure of still enjoying something delicious uh, because they tasted beautiful, uh, even with the, the good leftovers. And, um, and they were the typical dish, the typical Sunday dish. So especially in the past uh, we were very in love with some uh, traditions like enjoying uh, uh, agnolotti on sunday not on monday not on tuesday on sunday and that made also that dish more special because i mean if you enjoy any 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 day you can enjoy agnolotti of course But it's like, uh, if you do that, it's like, uh, I don't know, their power goes a little bit down. If you keep it special for a special day of the week, uh, you give also them more glory. So it is nice to be a little bit old fashioned, uh, uh, especially in this time, uh, and to go back uh, to the time where things were going a little bit uh, slowly, but you really could enjoy it to the fullest because now we run too much uh, we buy too much uh, and, and we throw we, we throw waste. away too much yeah we waste too uh, much yeah yes I, I, you know and i think by keeping the agnolate on sunday it also gives you something to look forward to if you're going to have agnolate <laughs> on monday how are you looking forward to it you know all week um absolutely I did want to ask you, Cecilia, I wonder, as I'm listening to you talk about this and food born out of necessity, and when we talk about food born out of necessity, what we're talking about is, you know, for many decades, Italy was a poor country and people struggled to survive. Now, Piedmont is a very rich region now, but what we're talking about born of necessity is people are trying just to get by. And I wonder... There's a dish called bagna cauda, yeah. and one one of the I don't know maybe the signature dish of the Turin area. And I wonder, do you think this dish was also born out of necessity, the bagna cauda? 
Well, uh, for sure, in the past, uh, more than now, we yeah, had yeah. in Piedmont, they had, I was not born yet, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, very, very uh, difficult times in the winter. The winters were, the winter was so long and so cold. So some special dishes were fulfilling and they could keep you really warm and the banya cauda is uh, for sure one of the dishes that best represent the local uh, gastrono- gastronomic tradition uh, it's uh, called the queen of the winter by locals indeed because it can be a rich flavorful fulfilling and hot very very hot uh, it's the typical start of a meal on piedmontese tables uh, it's uh, a very rich appetizer based on vegetables, uh, usually peppers uh, or also cardoons, which are dipped in the hot sauce that is prepared in the typical terracotta stove. So the very main ingredient is the anchovy, reduced to a pulp, and added together with the minced garlic in the oil and butter, heated in the pan. So it is a very head infusion of garlic, 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 <laughs> and garlic, and, and then anchovy and, uh, and garlic again. So, uh, well, uh, for sure, just a nice tip. Uh, if uh, you have some special meeting uh, or uh, some uh, special celebration, you won't eat uh, Bagna cauda, because for a couple of days, people not gonna join your company. So <laughs> be aware about that. They'll they'll because, know you're uh, they'll know you're coming before you enter the room. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, if you have to join, if you like to join this dish, absolutely recommendable. Again, indeed, a dish which was born out of. Uh, necessity because uh, as I mentioned the ingredients are very very poor yet rich because we don't believe in poor ingredients Uh, food is never poor Uh, anyway we are talking about something that back in the time was considered a poor uh, poor food the cardoons or peppers and garlic itself uh, you could make out of, uh, again, something very simple uh, and basic, uh, uh, something that people uh, actually loved. So, again, it was a a huge uh, invention of uh, the local culinary art and a different kind of fondue. Let's say that uh, it's a different kind of fondue. Also, pretty social dish, I've got to tell, I've got to say, because you can, uh, when you have something to celebrate, I have some people, um, some friends of mine who, for example, used to have banya cauda always for Christmas. So there are uh, uh, some special yeah. celebrations which are, yeah, they like to make it because it's also kind of long preparation. So you keep it all for the Sunday lunch or for some special uh, occasion again. And uh, it is a different kind of fondue. The fondue also very, very, very delicious and very special. And uh, you can make them both. So you really have a fantastic, uh, two fantastic hot uh, sauces, very different, both delicious. And if you want to keep it a little bit lighter, what uh, they used to do in um, 
in the summer season. Uh, they make uh, grilled peppers and they uh, serve the peppers with uh, a light bagna cauda sauce. So it's a good compromise because, you know, we are also pretty, the Italian cuisine in general and the local in Piedmont is uh, very seasonal. So you're not gonna, a local not gonna order bagna cauda uh, on eggs, for example, because it's, it's like your body doesn't want to have that old sauce. On December, well, yes, absolutely amazing. So a good compromise is making a very lighter version of it, so with much less garlic, and serve in um, in combination with uh, with beautiful uh, peppers. We have fantastic peppers from Carmagnola, which is a small village not so far away from Piedmont. Sorry, from uh, Turin, uh, which has the most delicious peppers. And, well, if you have the combination of both, uh, it's uh, very, very, very interesting. And then you don't have to be scared to meet people. If you have this compromise, <laughs> it's, not so, it's not that bad. You can, you can still go around, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cecilia, it's been a joy talking to you. We talked about a little bit of the food of Turin, but I feel like we still need to talk about Barolo wines and aperitivos and chocolate and all this other stuff. Um, would you come back next week and talk to us again about uh, the cuisine of Turin? Oh, for sure. It would be a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. There you go. Links to Cecilia's food tour company, I Eat Food, is in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash DED138. Next week, I will have Cecilia back to talk about chocolate, wine, aperitivos, and my favorite coffee drink of all time. You know, I have such fond memories of Turin. Karen and I were there for Christmas a couple years ago, and we obviously had some great food, but Christmas morning, everything was closed, of course, and I was sure that we were going to have to eat our Christmas dinner from a vending machine. In fact, I spotted a vending machine that said pasta caldi, which translates to hot pasta. So I was planning on eating pasta from a vending machine. That is until I saw a line starting to form outside the film museum. Turin's got an excellent film museum. But they also have a great cafe inside run by Italy, the famous Italian gourmet food playground. And there was a sign that was taped to the box office that said in Italian, of course, that the museum was going to be closed on Christmas Day. Yet, here these people were lining up on Christmas Day to get into the film museum. And a few minutes later, the ticket seller appeared and we bought our ticket. And when we got inside, lo and behold, Italy's Cafe was open. We had a memorable meal with some pastries and a glass of Prosecco for dessert. And it sure beat pasta from the vending machine. All right. Over at DestinationEatDrink.com, I posted an article that answers the question, would you rather have root canal or serve on a jury? Get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and garlic sous chef Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.